let me say this way. If you're like a solopreneur, right? You're just used to doing everything yourself, all the administration, all the creativity, all the sales, all the, all the things, all the things. Um, and what I'm encouraging people like that to think about is what would it be like to focus in on your areas of genius and release everything else? Welcome to the Creative Tax Podcast with Mike Brennan. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Creative Chats. It's the podcast for artists, makers, and content creators where we talk about creativity, the creative process, and story. I'm your host, Mike Brennan. You can connect with me over on Instagram, I'm at MikeBone, or on my website, which is MikeBrennan.me. Hey, I'd love for you to stop by DailyCreativeHabit.com. I've created several resources with you in mind as a creative person. First, there's a link to our free private Facebook group called Daily Creative Habit. It is filled with creatives of all types who have raised their hands to say, I want to show up more consistently for my creativity and craft. And so if that's you, we would love to see you as part of this group. There's also a link to receive our free Daily Creative Habit email newsletter. This goes out twice a week and is filled with resources and inspiration and daily prompts for you as a creative person to make sure that you keep showing up every single day for your creativity. And lastly, there's a link out to the new Daily Creative Habit Guided Creativity Journal. And this is something that I'm really excited about because it's a 90-day journey that you can go on that guides you to plan and show up for your creativity and help you track and help you measure and figure out exactly what it is that you want to do and how you want to do it. This is available right now through Amazon.com. Now, today I get to sit down with an old friend of mine. Uh, we met several years ago. I think it may be like 14 years ago. Uh, we've only, I think, met online. And we were in a group together that was a group of creatives uh, all trying to up our games and in various contexts. Uh, both he and I have moved on from some of the things we were working on but way back then to different things today. But we recently reconnected, and uh, my guest today is Micah Foster, and he is helping people who are looking for executive assistance to help run some things in their business, honestly, um, to not have to bootstrap things anymore, but to bring some people that he matches personally with clients to say, hey, here's somebody who can take over your email or here's somebody who can help you with some systems and some structures and organization within your business and the things you're trying to do so that you can focus on your zone of genius. And so I just love what he's doing. We talk about that. And we also talk about uh, a lot about uh, perfectionism. And uh, quite honestly, this is one of those deals where as I was recording this, uh, and you may even hear it in the background of me recording this intro right now, my dog is in another place when in my home who has just been kind of going nuts. And so there's a lot of noise from that. He didn't pipe down. And there's, you know, of course, whenever you hit record, uh, people who are doing lawn service are outside your door or window making noise. Uh, I had something fall off the wall. I mean, there was just so many things that kind of happened during this episode. And Micah was really gracious about it. And we just decided to lean into it and say, hey, let's talk about 
perfectionism and how we want to strive to put our best foot forward. But oftentimes um, when we're doing something, things go sideways and the importance of showing up anyway. And so rather than trying to gloss over that or edit things out or just ignore it, I figured we would call attention to it and just say, hey, listen, you know what? This happens to all of us, myself included. And at the end of the day, it will be okay. Uh, a barking dog in the background or a picture falling off the wall during a video or <laughs> whatever else happens. Um, it's not the end of the world. And it shows that we're all human and things happen. And yet we still press on to do the best work that we can. So anyway, I hope that you enjoy this creative chat with my friend, Micah Foster. Well, Micah, welcome to the Creative Chats podcast. Dude, thanks so much for being here today. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, you know, it's been a long time since we connected and I've been following you online and love the uh, Wookiee in the background. So yeah, oh, thank absolutely you. love being here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, I think the first time we met, or at least I remember this is the context in which we started to get to know each other better was creative coaching with Carlos Whitaker, I believe. Um, That's way right. back in the I day. Yeah. Yeah. I so forgot about that. Our, our, the formation of our friendship came to, to be because of creativity. So I think it's, it's uh, very appropriate that we're having this conversation, continuing these things. And uh, certainly a lot of time has gone by since we have both done that and our lives have probably looked completely different today than they did back then. Um, <laughs> but you know, I'm, I'm excited to talk about creativity with you and just to uh, explore how it's showing up in your life, how it has shown up in your life. Uh, so before we get too, too deep into things, uh, why don't you, for the sake of the listeners, do a little, here's who I am and what I do. Yeah. So uh, I'm in Fresno, California, which is uh, the right coast, not the left coast. Uh, <laughs> and, and no, I'm just kidding. Uh, and I now... Uh, own a company called Dream Support. We provide remote executive assistance to busy leaders who need organization and administrative skills in their life. A lot of entrepreneurs and creatives um, who who just need someone to help hold the reins. You know, keep them on course, keep them keep them going in the right direction. So that's what I do now, um, and I've been a pastor and a church planter in the past. So kind of a a variety of different things uh, to to speak from today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and certainly uh, I I just so resonate with that thought of these different segments and these different positions throughout time and how things morph and change, and yet you still borrow from skill sets and things that you've learned along the way. Um, you know, so that that's really I think even in think, thinking in terms of creativity, that's something that is so on point to kind of borrow and build on. Um, so I'd love to know a little bit of like, what did creativity look like for you growing up and how did you know you were creative? Yeah. Um, so a couple of things, I was like a doodle kid. So in class I did my best to retain the most information when I was doodling in the margins, right. Which we know was not, um, it, it, it was not encouraged. I, let me say it that way. It was not encouraged by the teachers back then. It may be a little more acceptable now, but uh, just doodling helped my brain to have something kind of to do while it took in. It was like I was tricking it. Like, okay, you yes. can learn now because you're doing something. 
And it, it just, I don't know, it's the way that I'm wired. So uh, even in church and other contexts, whenever I was listening to someone speak or learn, I was doodling on my paper and developed these little sort of cartoon character like doodles that I just routinely drew just because they came natural to me. And so that was one piece of it. But then also musically, uh, I was a singer, you know, like I sang in church growing up, uh, sang in school, sang in choirs, took voice lessons. Um, when I went to college, there was a short stint, let me say, a short stint where I thought I was going to be in a boy band. And then when I went to college, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll just kind of gloss over that real gloss quick. Over, yeah, yeah. I, um, I joined a musical group uh, at Pepperdine University where I went to school. And uh, it was a six-member acapella vocal ensemble that traveled around and, and toured and recorded and things of that nature, um, which paid for my most of my college. So uh, that was a huge part of sort of growing up in that creative culture. So I wasn't a sports kid. Um, I, I didn't even like to watch sports growing up. Now my kids are in sports. I enjoy them a lot more now. Um, but back then I was just like, I don't really care about this. I want to, mm-hmm. I want to do music. Yeah. Do drawing and stuff. Um, so I have some old sketches and things I used to sketch and I still sketch sometimes from time to time, um, just as a stress reliever and outlet. Um, and my kids are like, wow, you're really good. And I'm like, yeah, this is like one of the six things I know how to sketch. So I just do it over and over. Again. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say that I've de- continued to develop that piece of it, but it definitely has informed, uh, informed how I learn. It's informed how I express myself and, and certain stress relievers as well. Mm. So would you say like when you're involved in these activities, um, was it a way of processing um, or was it about developing an idea? Was it a little mix of both? Yeah. So like, drawing, sketching, doodling, those sorts of things was just, and I think it was more about processing. Um, it was more about just ha- having my brain and my hands do something while it took in information and helped me retain information um, better. They say like, if, you, if you're going to take a test on something and you drink a soda or something while you're learning the information, you should drink the same soda while you're taking the test. It helps <laughs> your recall. Um, I think you should doodle. If you learned something and you're going to take a test on it, you should doodle while you're testing because it'll help you recall um, of the same. I think that's what that side of things was more. Uh, And then, uh, you know, musically is about expression more. So um, like when I was in choir and things of that nature, like there were certain songs that like would kind of, hit a chord in my soul and it would make me emotional, you know, and I, I wouldn't even know what it meant. It was in Latin, you know, it was just, but there was some sort of chord that just, it just, you know, and you could tell everyone was kind of putting their whole passion into this piece of art. And I don't know, it was a, it was a really good stress reliever and self-expression um, mm. activity for me. So that's kind of where I think those two sort of things uh, landed. Yeah. So, man, you know, processing and just self-expression. I mean, all these things that go into our creativity, um, you know, and 
we just we had to stop i'm gonna lean into this we had to stop just because of some things going haywire on this side and talking about perfection and <laughs> you know this whole idea of sometimes you're just like oh man i'm gonna wait until the right time the right way and then i'll do things um you know my dog was going crazy in the background here pictures falling off the wall i mean it's, this is a moment where it was like the vortex just opened up and uh as of course anytime you hit record for a podcast any kind of recording that's when it's like a magnet and everything in the universe just kind of goes oh okay let's make some noise let's make some disruption so <laughs> leaning into that um talk to me about how has that impacted you just this thought of like perfection or like do, do you get tempted to want to delay and wait for the perfect moment or the perfect execution on something uh that has been a huge challenge huge challenge because when you are doing anything creative and i should say this too i got a creative writing minor in college and whenever you're doing something creative you're going to put it out for someone else to see hear watch read whatever um it's like it's very vulnerable right mm -hmm. and you want it to be very good and you don't want people to you know there's a fear of judgment and rejection all those sorts of things um on one hand so you you just want it to be like really really good you want it to be perfect the problem is if you want it to be perfect you'll never do it or you'll never get started or you'll never release it or you'll just rewrite it over and over again um Whereas it's no, there's nothing wrong with getting better and better, but you got to start with the junky stuff to get to the good stuff. And you have to release the junky stuff, I think. I think you have yes. to release the junky stuff. Um, I've heard some uh, some guys talk about, you know, who are really big YouTubers talk about like, you know, you just got to press record. Uh, you just got to put it out there and you get better over time. And I think that's certainly true. And the temptation is if I put it out there and it's not, great to start off with people are going to be like well that's not good i'm not going to watch that i'm not going to subscribe to that i'm not going to like that or whatever or share that but you know that's not how things work you, right. you have to keep you have to try and you have to start somewhere you just have to start where you are yeah so the perfection is is the enemy of great it's the enemy of good it's the enemy of getting anything done that's certainly true so you just have to start you just gotta try yeah. I know that that's been true for my own journey too, of, you know, doing something every day creatively for, you know, now I'm in my 12th yeah. year and in the beginning, especially it was like, Ooh, there's a lot of bad work that's happening. Um, but realizing, Oh, that's part of the process that you have to do a lot of work. And especially when you're either coming back to something or doing something for the first time, it's going to be bad because you need to build those muscles and that, that skill and execution. And then the other side, I think there's also this temptation where once you achieve a certain level, you think, oh, well, now I'm still going to rely on things being perfect because it's almost expected of me that I show up this way. And if I don't, then I'm going to look even bad, you know, worse or, or it's just going to be a bad experience. I'm going to be ashamed of it or whatever. And so I think there's pressure also to keep at a certain level where sometimes things just conspire against you and or you're having an off day and it's like. That's actually part of things too. And I think it's important to address that because too many times it's like, you know, 
people see it's, you know, we talk about the Instagram highlight reel, right? I mean, that's pretty much what we're always seeing from people. And so when our experiences don't match up with that, it's really easy for us to think I'm doing something wrong or this isn't working for me because that's not what everybody else seems to be experiencing, right? That's absolutely right. Uh, you know, this whole idea that we're going to put our perfect everything out there and that's all we're going to put out there is just, you know, yeah, the highlight real thing is, it's a very real danger in life. It's a very real danger in all ways. But like you're saying, the junky stuff is part of the process. And you just think about like, you know, you think about the great artists in the world, uh, historically, right? You think of the Rembrandts and Picasso's and these, you know, Caravaggio and all these guys, like if they, all their masterpieces are out there, but also think about Da Vinci's like sketches that are just like half drawn and how valuable those are now. And, and so it's not that like the sketches are what made them great or famous or their artwork really expensive, but they had some big hits, right? Mm -hmm. And those big hits, everything else worth a lot. So it's, it's more fun to like see a successful actor in a big film and then be like, what else have they been in? And go back and watch their crappiest movie. <laughs> yes. That's hilarious. Look at that. He had a, he had a cameo right here and he wasn't even a cameo yet. He was an extra, you know, or whatever. Right. And he was a dead guy in CSI, you know? <laughs> uh, right. Right. You know, and you see, you see them in their, in their humbleness of that stage compared to, what they are years later or projects later or whatever. And it's, it's like, okay, anybody, anybody could do, anybody could get there in their own way. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I think you just gotta get, just get into it. Yeah. Not going to be great right away. No, no, not at all. Not at all. And I think, you know, there's, there's levels and there's iterations that happen too. And then seasons where, you know, we talked about just changing what things look like right and so i'd love to push into it a little bit now of like what you're doing now and kind of how that came about um give us a little context for that absolutely um so it was about 11 years ago that my wife and i moved from santa rosa california to fresno which is our hometown to start a church and when we decided to do that we did not know how we were going to make any money for our family. It was like a big leap of faith, right? We just didn't know what, how we were going to support ourselves. So as a part of that, as a part of the solution to that, uh, my wife took a job as a remote executive assistant. And it was a newer kind of uh, field at that time. There wasn't a lot of remote work happening just yet. Zoom wasn't regularly used by most people, though we were used to it because we'd done some coaching with some people and different things. That required us to do it. So in that season, she began this work and the plan was not for her to continue in that. But here we are 11 years later and she's still working with the same client. So after several years of this going on for working in this, she would get calls and emails from people who were associates of her client. You know, can you do this for me? Can you, can you, do you have five hours for me here? I need this project. You know, I know you're really good. And she just kept saying, I'm, I'm booked up. You know, I can't handle anybody else. So after a couple of years of that happening, I think it was 2018. Uh, I looked at her and I said, we need to figure this out. People keep coming to you for help and you keep saying no. 
but they're going to keep coming. So what if we find a way to help them? And uh, she said, you go ahead and figure that out. <laughs> uh, a pastor, church planter by day, and now entrepreneur by night, um, trying to figure out how to solve this problem. And the, the solution for us was to find some people we know and trust, um, IRL, in real life, as they say, mm-hmm. next to us, that we feel could also do the same kind of work and do it really well. And match up some of those incoming people who, you know, were prospective clients uh, and and get those people matched up, help kind of maintain and manage those relationships and how those things be structured. And also my wife would become the resident um, sort of coach for those new people that we worked with. So um, we did that for a couple of clients and just kind of went on cruise control for, um, you know, a couple of years. But after a couple of years, those clients, friends started coming to us and saying, Hey, do you have more? So then we had to figure out, okay, how do we grow this? Like we're, we're tapped in. I think we're tapped out in terms of who we naturally know and who can do this, but we need more people like this. So we had to start developing systems and testing and how are we going to get that done? And uh, so it took more and more of our time. And through the pandemic, that certainly grew and the church work, uh, the church work went lower in terms of a demand of my time and dream sport went higher on the demands of my time. So there became a point sort of at the end of the pandemic where we had to make a choice. Uh, and so we decided to merge with another church and I would keep working on the business. Um, that's just how it worked out and it's worked out really well, but I did not anticipate that. I would not have thought that was in the future, you know, 10 years ago. Sure. That just wasn't in my mind, but it's just how, how it's transpired for sure. Mm. So I, I know you mentioned like solving problems a, a couple of times in there. And I think that's certainly at the heart of a, a lot of the work that we find ourselves doing. And, you know, you're in the midst of this, the situation where people are coming to your wife and saying, Hey, can you help? Can you help? And she's turning them away. And you're like, Hey, there's a problem that's going on unmet here. Um, and, we need to figure this out. And so then stepping in and going, okay, we're going to create something around this and then having to figure out what, how do I problem solve that piece of it? Right. Um, what, what was the moment maybe earlier on where you're like, okay, there's a skill set I need to learn, or there's something that I don't know how to do that. I need to look to somebody else under the model, whatever, like, how did you navigate that? Yeah. You know, I think like a lot of people these days, um, you can learn a lot just by Googling, watching YouTube videos, self-teaching. Like there's a lot, you can read books, you can read, you know, this and that for dummies, you know, whatever it is. And I did that, certainly did that for church planting and forming a nonprofit and all that sort of stuff. I, I figured a lot of that stuff out. I had some people to kind of ask questions from and pull, um, you know, uh, templates from and those sorts of things. But at the end of the day, I still had to make the decision. What am I going to go with here? And what am I going to do? It's the same thing with growing a business or trying to start a business. Um, so, you know, formalizing LLC stuff, you know, I, I didn't know, you know, I'd done a 501 three. I didn't know how to do that before. So you just sort of start. And I think one of the things for me, that's really funny. I used to get really nervous about legal documents 
and like, well, am I going to sign this right? Is this going to get kicked back to me in some weird way? And, you know, is this going to be okay? And I remember uh, having to drive because of the timing of something, having to drive to Sacramento from Fresno, which is a few hours and drop off paperwork at the state, you know, office, just, you know, and how nervous I was to drop that off and thinking, what if I do this wrong? You know, what if it doesn't work right? What if they mm. reject this in some way? And now I'm like, they'll, they'll, they'll send me a letter and tell me you should have signed this and then I'll send it back. You know, I'm like, whatever <laughs> yeah. it's kind of how it works. Um, so I, I, I learned a lot of different ways to answer your question. People, uh, listen to podcasts, obviously on entrepreneurship, um, watch some other similar kinds of companies and what they're doing and how, how they go about that. Um, but mostly it's trial and error. It's like, mm -hmm. let's try this. Let's see if this works. Let me bounce this idea. I had some great clients in the beginning who, um, worked with us, uh, one in particular that worked with us to develop a test for, uh, finding EAs. And we still use an iteration of that test. And when we do a test, I mean, when we do an opening, like where we're going to search for people for talent, if we put up a LinkedIn post, we're going to get 800 to 1200 applicants off that one post. So we had to develop a system, how to handle that. How does the testing go? How does the interviewing go? Who do we accept into that? All that kind of stuff. And that's developed over time. Hmm. It's interesting that you said you know, early on you you had clients who helped you develop this portion, and I think the temptation you know going back to thinking about the the conversation about being perfect, right? The temptation is probably there to go, oh, I need to make this look like I've got everything buttoned up because if I want to attract the best clients, and yeah, you know. Um, look like I know what I'm doing so that people are, want to work with me and trust me, then I need to kind of posture or position myself a certain way. Um, That's right. You know, can you talk a little bit about the tension of that, of like, you know, wanting to be seen as professional and obviously, you know, being trusted and, and yet being open-handed enough to be going, we're still figuring some stuff out and I'm inviting somebody else into the process as we're figuring this out. Yeah, absolutely. That's part of the thing. Like if someone wants absolute perfection, I can't, I can't guarantee that ever. Like I just, I just can't. So there's always, it doesn't even matter who you use. In fact, when I have, I, it's happened multiple times where I've paid for a service or something from a larger company and I'm just disappointed because the promise in the sales portion did not mm -hmm. match the fulfillment and the departments are so disjointed that the salespeople don't even know really what the fulfillment people can and can't do. They don't know the limitations of it. And so they just sort of, they're just trying to convince you. They'll say whatever. They're just trying to convince you. And once you cross that, you know, payment line, then they pass you to someone else who doesn't know you at all. And you start sort of the process all over again of them learning your needs and what do you really need and what do you really get? So, I think there's a big, in general, in business, there's a big kind of problem there where sales and fulfillment don't align um, and it causes a lot of turnover. And so I think it's really interesting because I'm personally involved with our clients. I'm speaking to our clients. I'm helping to personally match 
these people. We're a boutique. We're not some giant agency. We're a boutique, you know? Um, and so there's a lot of personal touch in there. And uh, I think that's really, really important when you're, when you're trying to do a really good job with people. Um, does that answer your question? Yeah, I, yeah, I totally. So much. Sometimes. <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's good. It's good, and it makes me think about how, like, I think in terms of gaining someone's trust, I'd rather be on the end of somebody saying, "Hey, listen, we're we're still developing this, and we would value your input." As opposed to, I'm going to pretend like this is all together, and then if something goes sideways, I'll deal with it at that point. And then, like you said, the experience and what you've been promised are so vastly different that you've then broken that trust. And so you don't yeah. want to do business with that person or use that service again because you're like, that's not what I paid for. It's not what I was promised. Um, but I think there's a yeah. little bit more like, you know, empathy. And, and like I said, it does build trust to go like, oh, OK, so what you're saying is actually you're valuing my input to help you create this thing. Well, that's an invitation. You know, that's not simply um posturing and pretending you know because i think also there's yeah. there's a port there's a part of that too that you can really start to suffer from the imposter syndrome because you kind of are positioning yourself to something that you're not yet that you are hoping to be and so navigating that space too um have you had run-ins with the imposter syndrome yourself well it's kind of funny you talk about this i i kind of say it like this i think i put this on threads earlier today which is a whole nother subject oh yes yeah. <laughs> we'll really get into that because by the time this goes out it'll be a different conversation but um but you know like i put this out there i said a entrepreneur is someone who says i need a podcast and a logo or or a website and a logo an entrepreneur is someone who says i need a client because you're not going to learn anything about how to do the business from creating uh, a logo and a, you know, a, and a podcast or a website, though, I think those are necessary things, but you are going to learn a whole lot from working with a client. You're gonna learn a lot mm -hmm. you learn it fast. You learn what doesn't work, what does work. Um, you know, one of the things that we do is w when we've started someone with an assistant, you know, we have regular check-ins with them at certain intervals. And some of the questions are like, have you uh, given complete access to the things that they need to get the job done? You know, have you um, have you had your regular weekly meeting, which is our recommendation? That's the best way to communicate. You know, have you had anything that you felt they didn't handle correctly and something we need to address? Is there a room for improvement? Is there something you want to praise them for? Because uh, we want to celebrate the wins and we also want to adjust over time and get better. So we're asking all this feedback continually so that, number one, there's a there's an actual feedback loop, right? Which if you lack a feedback loop, it over time, things can build up and they just end or they explode. But if you have a feedback loop, you can get better over time. Um, and then number two, we really, want to, we really do want to celebrate the assistance. And, you know, if they're doing a fantastic job, we want them to know that. We want the clients to express that in some way. So we give them opportunity to express that in those um, in those avenues. In terms of an imposter syndrome, I think if you've if you've never felt that, I would be surprised. Like I feel like anybody who does anything at some point has this feeling of, am I this? Like, can I really be this? Mm -hmm. You know, or am I just 
like fooling myself? You know, are people giving me a pat on the back because they feel sorry for me or because they're excited for me? Like what's, and I think it's a natural thing. Um, what I don't want to get to the point is that where I think I'm an expert and I can't learn anything new. So those are two extremes to me in my, in, in how I feel like one is I have no business doing this. I'm an imposter. And one is I'm an expert. Nobody, nobody knows more than me. I'm the best. And I think I probably, I want to live in the middle somewhere. Like mm -hmm. I want it to be a tension that I manage in the middle. I don't want to be too far one or the other. Cause then I'm closed off to opportunity or I'm closed off to um, learning. So that's kind of how I think about imposter syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. I love that answer. Um, Cause I think too many times people feel like if they're experiencing that, you know, it's, Oh man, I'm, there's something wrong with me or I'm, it's such a block that I can't move forward in things. But I love your answer of like, being in the middle and managing tension because, you know, let's face it, no matter what it is that you do, every time you start something new, you're a beginner. And so there's always going to be this voice of going like, you know, what do you, what, what business do you have doing this? Or like, you're saying you're doing this publicly, but you're still figuring this out or whatever. Like there is that, that gnawing voice. Um, you know, what makes you think you right. can be successful at this, whatever, you know, whatever those voices come to you as, and then it's, you know, I think, acknowledging that because you can't ignore it um and realizing that it's not like you can just kill it like a monster and then it's gone um and so figuring out how do you acknowledge that but then lean into it so that it doesn't prohibit you from moving forward and growing and like you said being open for opportunities and the potential that's there um for you to grow yeah yeah so the thing about too, just real quick. The thing I think about too, when you're saying that is like, there have been changes, switches in, in, in like my online presence, right? So in my own social media and things like that, like the focus has shifted from different things. And so there's a worry in there sometimes like people are gonna be like, Oh, Mike is doing something new. Mm -hmm. You know, what's this thing? And, and I, it's not like I'm changing it every two months or something crazy like that, which I've seen, I see a lot of people doing but they see me consistently do one thing for a long, 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 long time. And then there's kind of a, a shift and they're like, what's, what's that? What's what happened to you? I'm like, I don't know. I'm still here. Same person, same thing. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just that the presence I have online has a, has a new or different focus. And so I have to kind of adjust because you know what? Uh, my business feeds my family and I need to right. make sure that I'm properly highlighting how to work with us in those sorts of things. It's, it's really important actually. Yeah. So that's part of, I think how I can get in my own head is like, man, I used to be like, you know, come to this event come to our church and do this and that. And I've shifted cause that's no longer like my main focus in terms of my own income uh, in the church that I attend now I serve at and all those sorts of things. And I'll still mention them and stuff, but it's not like, it's not my everyday job to, uh, lead that. And so I have to like shift kind of my presence a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really common to see what you were describing also for people who have multiple creative out, outlets and like interests. And, you know, the, the, the danger on one side is you have so many different things going on that 
you're constantly changing the channel and you're never really drilling down to get to a level of excellence and skill on something. Um, and yet the other side of that is when people say, well, just do one thing and one thing only and just, you know, become the master and whatever. And I think for a lot of people who are in that category of having multiple interests, that feels too constraining. And so they don't want to do that. And yet they're suffering from, you know, changing the channel too many times on the other side. And so, again, I think it's like almost like a it's it's managing that so that you're being intentional about how you're showing up and in the story that you're telling the narrative um, in what it is that you do and how that helps other people. Because um, I know even for myself, I've had periods where I, because of the different things that I do and move in and out of sometimes somebody, you know, I've had people come to me and say, look, dude, we love you and we love what you do. We just don't understand and we don't know how that actually helps us and we don't know how to recommend you. And that was a moment where I was like, ooh, that stings. Like that hurts. But thank you for being honest with me because I have some yeah. blind spots and I can't see that. And I need to address that because yeah. otherwise I'm just going to keep doing more and more of the same and keep changing the channel and keep creating something new every time something I feel like it doesn't get to where I want it to be, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It reminds me of uh, kind of how you're talking. It reminds me of an old movie, The Renaissance Man. You ever seen that? No. Okay, I, I can't even remember. I don't want to say a name because I'll probably get it wrong. But basically, it's someone who has a ton of different interests. And they are really, they're pretty good at a lot of different things. And I remember seeing that as a kid and resonating with that. Being like, that's me. I have all these different interests. I have all these different things that I'm pretty good at. And uh, so that idea of like, you know, zeroing in on one thing and then becoming like absolute expert in that area um, kind of makes me want to like take a nap. Like I, I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. And this is probably like, you know, unpopular opinion. I just feel like not everyone's wired to just do one thing all the time. And right. Um, like I want the freedom to be able to explore new things. So the way I've set up my, life now is that in my job, which I've created, I work remote, I set my schedule. And if I want to, I can set aside a couple hours to go explore AI, I can set aside yes. a couple hours to go do this or that. And I think that it actually helps me. Um, because when you, as you know, when you learn something in one area, it does translate mm -hmm. to other areas. The application might look different, but there is something you learn that you can take with you into other areas. That's that's probably what, you know, growing up, I was not interested in sports, I said, but now I have more interest in sports and sports stories because there's so much to learn from the people who are involved in those worlds um, that I can apply somewhere else. Yes, yes. There's that quote, you know, that says, you know, a jack of all trades is master of none. And then... Yeah. More recently, I've heard people saying, yeah, but that's not the whole quote, right? The whole quote is the jack of all trades is a master of none, but oftentimes better than a master of one. And so <laughs> what they're actually trying to use to discourage you from having these multiple interests and pursuits um, is actually saying, no, you know what? Many times it's actually better um, because of that wealth of experience, like you said. And, um, you know, it's funny you mentioned sports, too, because I had someone on the podcast recently and they um their background was sports you know they were a pro uh, basketball player and they yeah. 
talked about this whole journey of from going from that into being a business owner entrepreneur and how there were skill sets and how there were um, just principles that they carried over. And that certainly is a form of creativity as well. And so if I were to be like, ah, well, you know, they mentioned basketball, they mentioned some kind of sports and I'm not interested whatsoever. I'm actually doing myself a disservice from being able to learn from somebody who has a different context than me. Um, I, I'm not going to play basketball. Nobody wants to see that. You know, I don't want to see that, that, that won't end well, <laughs> but um, I can certainly learn uh, things that are applicable to the things that I do. And I think you make a great point with that. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I'm married into a sports family. So like my father-in-law is a soccer coach and a pitching coach at a, uh, you know, a, a JC college. Um, my brother-in-law is a head baseball coach at a JC college. You know, um, there's a lot of like, just, oh, my, my father-in-law was drafted, you know, in, in uh, baseball a long, long time ago uh, by the Royals. Uh, so there's some deep, deep sports roots in that side of the family. And for a long time, it was kind of hard for me to kind of get there or like understand. Um, but I do a lot more now. And a lot of it's just being around, around it, you know, around those sports. The other thing is I love learning from our clients. So we, we have a variety of different clients. We have, uh, you know, a guy, he, he played for the giants, you know, there, we have people who were, you know, college athletics stars. We have people who are pastors. We have nonprofit leaders. We have therapists, lawyers, um, you know, private airline, uh, you know, owner entrepreneurs who are building and selling things. Um, we've had a couple of podcast guys, you know, just a variety of different things. And every time I'm talking to them, whether it's in sort of the discovery call or, um, in an interview of some kind with a potential assistant or in a review or in a checkup, whatever, every time I've got two, three, four questions that I'm just asking for my own education, mm -hmm. not because it matters to anything else, but I'm just curious. So I'll just start with, I'm curious, like when you do this, what, how do you do that? Or how did you start this? Or, because I want to learn all those things because that's a wealth of knowledge just in the people we work with. So, um, it's not like I'm, I'm coming in with all the expertise in these relationships. I'm trying to learn like as much as I can. And in fact, a lot of the questions that I ask in our, in our, um, you know, application process and, um, all that sort of stuff, like in the interviews, I, I'm, I've gained a lot of those questions from listening to my clients ask assistants those questions. So I'll hear them ask a certain question. I'll be like, that's a really great question. And I feel like that, that, that would be a good one to add to my, to my bucket here. So I'll add those over time and take them and change them because it, it reveals something interesting to me that helps me make a better decision on who would be a good person to work with and who would be a good person to match them with. Mm -hmm. So on that topic, someone who comes to you, they're looking for assistance. What kind of things are they looking for help with? And what, uh, did they have to be at a certain level? Yeah. So they all come with different needs or wants, but the basic need and want is they need organization. So I kind of have um, some cues to who are the kinds of people 
that would work well with us? Well, there are people who need, they need help with their, just their schedule, right? So they might be double booking themselves, missing meetings. Um, they may be missing follow-up from conversations they're having. That's a big thing. Um, if you're a coach of any kind, an online coach of any kind for any sort of industry, whenever you have a coaching call with someone or a prospective, you know, client, there's a, there's a number of things that need to happen after that call. Um, whether it's inputting of information into their CRM or it's, you know, updating notes or it's actually sending something that you promised to send or scheduling another meeting or, or what have you, whatever you promised to do in that conversation needs to get done. But what happens is, and this is what I was talking about when there's difference between uh, sales and fulfillment. Um, and sometimes people just promise a lot of stuff and then they might remember to do some of it. And what we want to do is make sure that all the things that have been promised are fulfilled on. So um, someone may need uh, someone to come along and just, you know, sort of remind someone, hey, we need to do this. Someone may actually be trained and released to actually perform some of those things on their behalf. So there's some of the things, calendaring, email triage, uh, responding uh, to different various kinds of communication. We don't do live calls because that would mean someone is available 24 seven to answer a phone, but we do callbacks. So, um, and I should mention that uh, uh, there it's fractional. So we have packages like five hours a week, 10 hours a week, 15 hours a week. So if you can imagine if someone's doing 10 hours a week, they can't just answer the phone at any moment because mm -hmm. you, you can't plan for that, but they can schedule out. These are the times that I call back people. So we'll have those sorts of things. Well, people do invoicing, some light bookkeeping, some web maintenance, some social stuff. Um, so a, a lot of variety of different things. But again, the basic need is organization, administration, make sure we're doing what we said we're going to do. Mm. I like that you use the term email triage. I hadn't heard of that before, but I think that that's very appropriate. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's certain things that like you can just like, like in Gmail, you can just like, you know, what do they call it? Um, you just put it away, right? Mm -hmm. Just kind of file it away and archive it. That's what it's called. Yeah. And, or you, you could have a, a foldering system that it's like, okay, this goes here, this goes here, this goes here. Um, but like when my wife works with her client, she'll actually has drafts. She'll draft responses, put it in a folder that says full response. And then he just goes in and looks at that folder. That's all he does. Goes in, looks at that folder, sees what the messages were what she's drafted and then either adjusts it or sends it as it is. Um, he, he, he's in his email, like maybe once a day. Um, whereas most people live with it open all the time. Yeah. Uh, and it allows him to have 10, 15 calls in a day that he's coaching people on different things. So, um, yeah, triage is a, there's a lot of <laughs> systems for it. That's a, it's a good thing. Yeah. So, and how does somebody know if they're quote ready for this? Well, like you're talking about perfection, it's the same thing. Nobody's ever ready. So my recommendation is start because, um, most of the clients that we work with have never worked with someone like this before. And they come to me and they say, this sounds really great. I don't know how to start. So I actually created a, a document, a little, you know, self-assessment. It's called how to start. And um, you can get it, you know, I have a landing page. You go to the website, dreamsupport.club. 
and there will be a link that says how to start. You can go there and and get your own copy, but it basically takes them through a, a self-assessment process, which should get you to the AED list, which is the automate, eliminate, delegate. So these are the three things you're looking to do. These are the three things not necessary to that you specifically must do, whether by legality or um, or otherwise. So what can you automate? I say this to people all the time. We're not the automation people, but you may want to figure out what you can automate in your business. And there's ways to do that. We're getting, you know, we're learning that stuff, but that's not like our main thing. Um, eliminate. There's certainly things every leader can do that they can just eliminate because it doesn't add any value to what they're doing or it's metrics they've been taking forever just because they always have, but it doesn't really do anything and they never look at it and they're never going to care. Um, <laughs> yeah. So there's eliminate stuff and then there's delegate. So that's the list I'm really interested in. What can somebody else do on your behalf that ethically and legally they can do remotely, not being exactly you? Mm. Yeah, that's a that's a great list to reflect on. And I think certainly very challenging because most people, I, I think, will come up with arguments as to why they can't do those things before they're ready to accept the need to actually take your advice and do those things. But I think what you're saying is, you know, if you're going to be able to achieve a certain level and succeed at some things and not burn yourself out also, because we only have a, a finite amount of time and, and energy to invest in certain places, yeah. we need to figure out how to systematize, organize and do these things so that we're showing up in the right places and giving our energy to the right things. And then the other stuff, let somebody else worry about, right? That's right. It's so important to reflect on, let me say this way. If you're like a solopreneur, right? You're just used to doing everything yourself, all the administration, all the creativity, all the sales, all the, all the things, all the things. Um, and what I'm encouraging people like that to think about is what would it be like to focus in on your areas of genius and release everything else? And I think when you do that, um, you're, you're going to see explosive growth. You're going to see a lot of opportunity. What the temptation is if you're sort of administratively minded or partially administratively minded, or you've just been handling your own administration forever, um, you, you think, oh, I can do it. it. Takes me, you know, think about the task that it would take you to. You know, after after you have a recording, there's a series of things that have to happen with that recording. There's a series of things that have to happen, um, uploading it and releasing it and all these sorts of things. Um, there's there's just a process, right? So you need a, you probably have one, an SOP, a standard operating procedure. Um, for most leaders, it lives in their head. It's not written down anywhere. So one of the things that I like to have assistants do is like, work with me. So I have two assistants to serve me personally. When I recognize there's something I do more than one time and it's going to be repeatable and I'm, you know, it's going to take more and more time as we grow. I'm like, okay, this needs to be out of my head and documented. So I will jump on a call with them. We will record it. I will take them through. I will, I will show them what I'm doing and they'll ask questions live. Then I'll make the recording available to them afterwards they will create a document that is the SOP for that process. 
And then I will ask them to start owning that one of them. Um, and then they'll have the recording to refer back to, to answer questions. If that doesn't answer the questions, if we didn't really cover that or we missed something, they can ask me again, you know? Um, and over time they become better at it than I was and they adjust the SOP and make it better over time. And then I've got this document, I've got this recording, I've got this person. And so even if someone else jumped in, maybe something happened and, you know, I didn't have that assistant anymore for some reason. If somebody else jumped in, they could have a place to jump from that's not like the bottom of the ladder. They could right. at least go up yeah. a few rungs and self-educate uh, and then kind of get into the groove of things. And these are the sorts of things that I think people don't think about. They think, oh, it's going to take so much time to train someone, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, listen, it's going to take the, the upfront investment is minimal compared to the long-term payoff. The problem is it's, you just think it's so painful to do the upfront investment, but it's really not that painful. It's pretty simple. Mm. That holds people back. Yeah. Yeah. I love what you're doing, man. Cause you're, you're serving people and giving people opportunity to be organized, to be focused. And like you said, step into their zone of genius and not feel like they have to bootstrap every single thing. And you have made systems you have you're you're holding their hand through this process you're personally involved in matching up with people so that they're not just given some rando who's like oh this person really was not at all aligned with you know what i need right. um and so man i just love what what you guys have created you and your wife and just how you're um really leaning into this and and um you know and, and just talking about this, sharing this with other people, like even here, I'm sure somebody's listening to this podcast right now and going like, okay, A, maybe I didn't even realize this was a thing. And now that I'm realizing this is a thing, I need to get in touch with Micah because I need help. And now's the time for me to do this. So, um, dude, so, so good, man. Um, so if somebody is looking to get in touch with you, find out more, like where can people go? Lay some links on us. Yeah, uh, first place is dreamsupport.club. So join the club, get some support for your dream. That's that's the whole message there. And then uh, on there, you'll find various links that'll help you like with the how to start guide. Um, we have specific landing pages that are linked from there for pastors and therapists. We're working on some other ones that are more specific in the language. Um, so those are, those are easy. And then just Micah, M-I-C-A-H at dreamsupport.club. You can also find me on LinkedIn, Micah Foster. Um, and there's, uh, I'm out there. If you Google me, you're going to find a lot of links. Some of them could be old, but you're going to find a lot of links. You're going to find all kinds of stuff, embarrassing stuff because it's junky and early and stuff that I'm proud of. So, yeah. Love it. Love it, man. So good to connect with you again. And so thank you for being on the show today. Really, really enjoyed this conversation. And uh, I know there's more to come. Appreciate the invite. Thanks for listening today. I'd appreciate if you would subscribe, leave a rating and a review. It really helps this podcast be seen and heard by others.